Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This time we're Review 2-ing Songs of Surrender. This too, Larry. Welcome to another edition of Review 2. My name is Tyler. Here with me as always is Johnny. Say hello, Johnny. Hello. We are two bespectacled U2 fans. We love talking about that too. And today we'll be talking about U2, Songs of Surrender, Disc 2, songs chosen by Larry or appointed to Larry or appearing underneath Larry's face. I think very much appointed to Larry. I, I'm not sure, um, as we said on the last episode, and you can always go to that i don't know why you'd be listening to this out out of sync but if you want to hear our general overall thoughts go back to the intro to the edge episode that we did last time and yeah I'm, i don't think that larry has particularly selected and sifted through all these particular ones it's just a way of organizing things it's relatively arbitrary i would say but we heard yet another edition another reimagining of the u2 sorry no the review two let's make that very clear the review two theme so who was that by time uh, the theme that played us in today was by Davy Boy David Gibbo Gibson. Oh, he loves all those nicknames. He, know, he loves all those nicknames. Thank you very much. Beautiful version of a theme that I think Johnny stole from a song we wrote together. But <laughs> what, what song? I think the uh, the review two theme tune sounds like Roswell Eyes. It does sound a bit like Roswell Eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a proof that we've only written one good song. So here we go. Uh, not much preamble. You know that how it works. We go track by track. So we will start with track number one. Or, or 11. Or 11. Track number one, this two. Who's going to ride your wild horses? We've still never found a satisfying answer to that question. Yeah. Five minutes, 17 seconds. Yep. Unnecessary time check. Um, so this has a pleasingly buzzy acoustic. It, it really rattles. Um, and that's the first thing that I noticed about this. Um, it is a nice way to kick off the record it's a quite a bright version of this song and i think if there's anything that could be said again uh who's gonna ride your wild horses original version on Axon baby my favorite album it's that it's a little bit muddy at the start now i love all that echoey reverby guitar but this actually makes sense because they've taken that song which is produced in a particular way and you know, just giving it a little bit of the zest, you know, a bit of freshness to it. Yeah, I feel like I'm very glad to see who's going to ride your wild horses on the track list because mm. I feel like it was a, a song that was kind of abandoned for a long time yep. or just didn't thematically fit into whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018, they did the Experience and Instance tour and revived that song, uh, gave it a sense of urgency, and then really capitalized on that when we were all in lockdown mm. and you two debuted the footage from the berlin concert and at the point of this song mm. there's a zoom in and when they zoom out there's no one in the audience and they're, show, they're showing the rehearsal footage yeah and i thought that was really fitting and it really emo- it kind of it was a kick in the plums, really, because you sat there and you are all connected. We were all doing the hashtag you together at home yep. thing, which got a lot of people through the lockdowns, especially me. But the way they shot that, they, they showed that footage of just the four people on the, on the stage and there's no one in the arena because you're all mm. at home. It was great. It was perfect. It worked really well. And you feel like this harkens back to that? I feel that it's it's too early because that was only that seems like the last thing you two did, yeah, in any big way. So mm. it, it seems too early, but I I have to kind of get out of that linear thinking of like okay, yeah. They they made it seem better with that version. They made it mean something else, something new. Not that many people, as well. I will say, re- you know, within re- relatively will have seen that version though as well at the time yeah yeah um so i think this is a song that a lot of people don't realize they really like 
it's not a song that a lot of your general. You I, know, think, I, you see, I think no, I think you're wrong though. You think general members of the public, I, Jane and Joe Bloggs, know who's going to ride you? I think they know it when it comes on. They That's think, what I mean. Yeah. So if you say, "Oh, name some great U2 songs," uh, they'll say, "Well, thanks for asking me." Uh, one, you with or without is your beautiful days. I think this is going to be quite far down the line. Then again. Your prides. If if the comments from the last episode are anything to go by, we don't know what people like. <laughs> so. Well, I like this version, I suppose. And um, and yeah, I, I'm going to say again, we've said this a few times, we do like you too, and if we sound very critical, maybe coming up sooner than expected, actually looking at the next track, then apologies, this is just our opinion. What do we know? Not very much. So there we go. The, the wheels come off at the end of this one, I feel. It, it, it sort of breaks down. Is it quite clip. a weird ending? Again, I think that's like 30 seconds of like... It was going quite well. Yeah, yeah. It's just... It, maybe the wheels don't totally come off, but um, but it just it gets a bit rickety. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a fun song. I, I, I don't know if it comes across... Like, if you were to grab an acoustic guitar, and, I'm, and believe me, I'm not asking you to, <laughs> but like, if you were to grab an acoustic guitar and we were going to just do a little sing-song between mm-hmm. us, we'd have a lot of fun. It'd, it'd be a, a fun song to sing. I don't yep. think that comes across in, in this version. Is it a fun song though? It's quite an emotional song. It's a fun song to play. Yeah, yeah, but but I think they, I think Bono's trying to invest as much emotion in this, and I think that does come across very well. And also, it's a brave song to do because there's some big leaps you've got to take as a vocalist in this song, which are always going to be difficult every single time you do it. And I think I think he acquits himself admirably. And I do like that pleasant buzzy acoustic guitar sound. <laughs> it's the main <laughs> thing I take away from this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, a good start. I, I, a good placing for who's gonna, hit, yeah. who's gonna ride your wild horses is a good song to start a CD with. Yep. Uh, all those uh, teenage U2 fans who are thinking about making a mixtape for their significant other or the one they want, mm-hmm. then uh, a good song to start off with. Who's gonna ride your wild horses? Uh, brackets. Me. You could put on the mixtape. Yeah, that's why Larry put it on first when he uh, meticulously organised this uh, playlist and then suggested, hey guys, <laughs> why don't we do a version of Get Out of Your Own Way? Yeah. Um, oh dear. Am I, am I the only one that thinks, like, well, we've, we've just heard one version of that. It, mm. But then where is the cutoff? I mean, See, I- I'm not disappointed that Vertigo is, you know, yeah. is later on. So... I, I mean, I, I don't think anything is excluded on the basis of time. I think it's it's all about the multiple reasons you want to revisit a song. Yeah. And as I, I said, my, my general argument on this on this album, on this whole project, not album, this you know beast of a of a forty track monster is with focus. This could have been a bit more, well, just a bit better executed. Whereas it's all pulling in lots of different directions. So what is the reason to do a staggeringly bad choppy version of a song that I never really liked particularly to begin with that itself is a bit of a mixture of City of Blinding Lights and a bit of a couple of other songs. Well, it's interesting you say that. I would mm. I would have liked them to kind of mix together Beautiful Day and either uh, Get Out On Your Way a Beautiful Day or either Get Out Of Your Own Way and City of Blinding Lights. They could have called it Get Out Of Your Own Day. Yeah. <laughs> they could have done I'm not saying it's a good idea but they could have done uh, I don't know how that would sound but again uh, that's another you project use management if you like any of Johnny's ideas please feel free to get in touch yeah yeah. Um, yeah. the percussion on this is somehow both overly busy and wears me out at the same time it feels really bad the percussion on this I, I, I think this is and right that's, that's number one that's bad number two uh Bono's rejigging the lyrics. Now, I can accept that Get Out of Your Own Way isn't a song that he feels completely happy with lyric-wise, but it's fine. It's all right in its own little way. But um, he's trying to make it relevant. When they did this with the Ukraine War conversion, I liked it. I thought, yeah, good good song, good rejigging of the lyrics. Make it an alternate take that is speaking to this moment in history because War Con is about carrying on, you know, resilience in the face of, of, of everything like that. Whereas this, we've got Bono saying... And all it takes to lose it is a crank with a tank and we all walk the plank. I'll say that again. A crank with a tank and we all walk the plank. If a stand-up comedian came out and started in, oh, you seen this uh, Vladimir Putin? Uh, this is crank with a tank. Well, we all walk the plank then. 
You'd be he, like, boo, he, get off. I do get the sense that Bono was writing headlines. Like that yeah. that's what he's doing. Like um with Top Line Melody. On the uh, on last week's episode when we were talking about um it wasn't a woman who threw God out of the garden. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a headline. You know, yeah. headline. It wasn't a woman that threw God out of the garden. Yeah. When Adam begged Eve for her, her good pardon. Yeah. It, 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 it does seem like that. But he's doing that thing that I, like, basically try to avoid, like, poetically. Like, sorry to be sound a bit pretentious. But, like, ha- just because you know something will rhyme doesn't mean that's a good idea. So he's like, Bono's like, tank. And, he's like, and, and do you know what? I don't like Putin either. He's, he's, he's you know, what can I call him? He's a, he's a crank, that, that Putin. And... And and then we all walk the plank. It's such a weird mixture of things that just happen to rhyme, and because of the way the song is delivered, there's it, there's this kind of I think they're trying to sound laid back, right? But it sounds more like you know when on Shooting Stars when Bit Reeves used to do the club singer <laughs> round, and he's like, you you we like it's a bit like we've that. got listeners all around the world, Johnny. They don't all know what Shooting Stars. Are. Look it up. Look up Vic Reeves Club Sing Around, and you'll see you'll see what I'm talking about. What I was going to say is look up John Mulaney, um, his routine on working with Mick Jagger about writing songs. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and how, how songwriters decide to write songs in the in the later years it could be relevant to this discussion. Well, yeah. I mean, did you find this? I I I I. I, I honestly cringe listening to this and i like this project in many many respects i'm not a fan of changing lyrics mm. i don't have a problem with that if you're gonna make them good but cranking a tank I, I know that realistically there should be no there's there's no difference between changing lyrics to changing a chord progression or the notes in a solo but i it just leave the lyrics alone because if you come into these new versions you you do want to sing along to them and I think the first time I listened to disc one, it was only by the time Bad came around that I I, I did find myself joining in. Yeah. So something's got to stay the, the same. Yeah, you can be wrong-footed by the melody. But I also, I, again, I, I, who who was sat around the house thinking, do you know what I really need? <laughs> I need a sort of off-kilter, choppy, weirdly percussive version of Get Out of Your Own Way. That's what I need right now. Weren't there a load of versions of Get Out of Your Own Way? I feel like this just continued to get remixed and rehashed for a while after the album came out. Yeah, it's... it's, it's I mean, it's that long ago, I can't remember. Yeah, and if anyone wants to hear our point, uh, our points about this on the Song of Experience review, I go up and down with this song, but I, I've, I've never felt that it's that good, really. And I think it's because it's adjacent to other really good songs. And reminds me of better versions of the same philosophy. What I like about Get Out of Your Own Way, the SOS version, is that it sounds like a sketch. There's a level of production on the the majority of this 40-song album Mm. that I feel isn't attributed to Get Out of Your Own Way. And I don't think it's a bad thing because it comes across as like... Mm. As, as a sketch. yeah just you know seeing what happens and i think there is an audience for that in 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 musical circles they want to okay yeah. if you put acclaimed singer bono and acclaimed guitarist the edge in a room well, what, instrumentalist. what are they gonna come up with yeah you know will it sound good and i get that impression from get over your own way it seems mm. it, it seems like a jam session but this is the thing again if they just said right we're doing 40 songs and don't worry about whether that's necessary or not. We're going to do 40, and we're going to do them in these slices of 10. I would understand if we said, right, the first songs, it's just going to be piano, okay? We're going to take our songs and do the every breaking wave thing where we strip it, strip it, strip it back, piano, voice, done. That's the first 10 songs. We call that Bono or Edge or whatever. The next ones, it's more of a jam session. It's this sort of stuff, and the production is different, and it's more like Bono and Edge having a laugh. Maybe Larry's got a triangle or a tambourine or something, and Adam's there. Um, and then the next set are, and now we're going to mess it up and rearrange everything, like they've done with Desire, spoiler, you know, and, and they've done with The Fly. And we're going to reimagine. This is all just, okay, well, what sort of reimagining is this? And this is why, like, this word reimagining is, it's kind of, it, it covers all bases. It just means, you remember that thing that you saw before, we just think about it differently. Well, why are we doing that? What's the reason? What's the purpose? So yeah, so yeah, I get what you mean. I wouldn't have a problem with them saying, you know, you two releases jam sessions, and it's just them doing ten songs of jamming. 
in a different way and then this would be more forgivable but it's it, this would have been the first to hit the cutting room floor for me I, I cannot listen to this version apologies yeah, I, if people love it I think it's a song that they, they've continued to really push for six five five years now yeah it's not quite good enough to bear the weight of that though maybe they see something in it that we don't yeah um, maybe we've got to get out of our own way I, I kind of groaned when I saw that Get Out of Your Own Way was on the you know on the track list but maybe they put me in a position they prepared me for disappointment to the point where I was actually surprised that it wasn't terrible well, I think it is terrible <laughs> do you, do you? yes it's All right, terrible. fair enough yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean it's it's um, it's a bit early to be announcing what our dirty days are but <laughs> man alive uh, Alright, stuck in a moment, you can't get out of... Track 3 at 4 minutes 34. Or track 13, depending on how, we, how we're slicing it. Um, You're not going to do this all the way through all 40? Uh, we'll right. see. I mean, oh, I've never I've never been accused of being original or not repetitive. Never been accused of that at all. Uh, not once. Not a single not a single time. Anyway, um, so speaking of repetitive, to someone else, this version of this song might be really so I'm, I'm trying to be like really um put myself in the position of someone who's not as into u2 as us and has stumbled across this and oh u2 got a new thing out and they listen to it they listen to this and they the last time they heard this was maybe you know middle of the 2000s or maybe a couple of times on the radio and they're, they're generally familiar with it they would love this version i think um but because we've seen this version this retooling of it pretty much since we started watching you know dvds like elevation this doesn't seem that that new so i like this and i think to someone who wasn't as into u2 there would be this freshness to it and this newness but um it's not set my world on, on fire because I've, I've heard it before it's, it's, a, it's a lovely song done in a different way yeah um again i felt like this had been recently rehashed when they released the 20th anniversary of all that you can't leave behind but I don't know if it was just remastered or if there was a bit of reworking. Oh yeah, um, I think no, I think they. Did. I'm getting to the point where I, I I feel like I've researched so much about you two that I I now can't I'm remember it all. Inside. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think they did do this again. It, no, they definitely released it. It's not necessary. This really then again, it's it's nice, mm. but it is not necessary. And I, and I found because I'm so familiar with this version, um. I sort of drifted away from it and started looking at stuff online and you know looking at other things, and I was only brought back into it when um, I just noticed now. Every time um, I'm sorry to make other people notice this now, but um, when Edge says uh, you can't get out of it, it sounds more like he's saying "can't" as in like "saint," you know, and you can't get out of it. Like that's what I hear every time. And then I'm like seeing Edge with like a you know like a sort of a bit of straw or a hayseed kind of you know mm. with like a like a yokel or redneck, sorry if those are offensive terms for people, uh, singing the song. You know. how's, how's he saying it? Kane, like that. Like, in, like, like someone you, saying, you can... I'm from Kane. No, more like... You or can... like you were like guys at the, at the pub shouting, oh, you're a you're a Kane, like one of them. <laughs> no, more like, you can't take your guns in here, that sort of thing, you know, like a prospector. Anyway, oh. I hear it every oh, right, time. Right, okay. and, and, sorry, uh, I was a bit confused. I just wanted to know. You were you confused. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or you wanted an excuse to, to say a rude word. <laughs> well, go on, what do you think? I've, I've burbled on about that for a while. Um, I I thought there was a really nice harmony. They can sing so well together, and they've been doing it for so long. It'd be weird if they hadn't figured it out at this point. Yeah. But they know each other's strengths. They know how to back each other up. It's lovely to hear them singing it. And this song is always. I feel like before it was written and before it was um, attributed or yeah attributed to. Um, Michael Hutchins. I feel like... You mean dedicated? De yeah, fine, whatever. Attributed would mean he'd written it. Well, okay, it was a tribute to, to uh, him. I can use words. <laughs> and I'll use them how I like. But, yeah. um, where was I? Yeah, Michael Hutchins. I, I feel like this was a melody that they would have been playing around with, you mm. know, in the, the summers of the late uh, 90s, before they actually had a, a reason for the song. Okay. It, it works together that well. They're, ju they're just two mates doing what they do well. So and this that, song does play to the strengths of each of them. Oh yeah, it really does. It comes across really. It's one of the few songs so far that has played to each other's strengths. Yeah. Um, Edge 
I don't. I would never accuse of Edge of just playing for himself, but I think sometimes Edge is just better than a lot of people. Yeah, I'd say he's would, he's the best man ever. I think. Yeah, I think he's a perfectionist and wants everything to sound just as he thinks it should. Yeah, and again, we'll say this. This to me seems like an, the whole thing seems like a very Edge project, and I'm sure he had a lot of fun doing the production. You know, mm. and a lot of t- a lot of fun re-recording and tinkering and stuff, and. The, the production, uh, we've not maybe said this, the production on this album, more like, you know, overwhelmingly, I would say, is fantastic. Pianos sound beautiful. Uh, synthesizers wash over. There's whole vistas and landscapes being opened up. But the problem is, because I love that so much, I want to hear it on a new record with some new songs. You know, like, there, there is no reason, obviously they won't, but there's no reason why they couldn't have an incredible renaissance and write another top tier albums you know maybe not as good as Joshua Tree or Acton Baby but they could do theoretically possibly I mean Songs of Innocence it gets near up to there for me personally and they did that when they were you know quote over the hill in most people's eyes so I think if you took Volcano off for SOI I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd think so much more of it I, I love I love Volcano yeah. I think it's fundamental to it well that's not the discussion today <laughs> um, every time Bono like in this song, he hits melodies really well. He sings really well. But I feel like occasionally he ruins it with a silly voice. It's weird that you said it about Edge, but I, Bono's guilty of it on, on multiple occasions Didn't in multiple songs. I say songs. Edge ruins things with a silly voice? Can't get oh, right, out yeah, of here. I literally said that before. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, it's just his pronunciation of it. I mean, it wouldn't work if he said, can't, like that. It wouldn't work you know, if you really pronounced it. Yeah. It's... I'm trying to think what Jagger does at that um, Hall of Fame. I was going to say, I'd love it if it was featuring Mick Jagger. How much would our faces have lit up if it said featuring him? Tyler is strutting and pursing his lips like like Mick. you got to get yourself together. You get stuck in a moment and you can't get... Uh, yeah, he'd say it the same way. Yeah. yeah I mean, Sorry, I had to go full on Jagger then. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it was a wonder to behold. <laughs> it was as much a feast for the eyes as it was for the ears. Uh, okay, well, I think that's pretty much all we've got to say about that. Track 4 slash 14, Red Hill Mining Town. I was really happy to see another song that I was like, oh, good, I bet they've done something interesting with that. Well, the right, the problem here is... I'm realising that I've been negative like three songs in a row now, okay? The problem here, it's not production. 13 songs in a row. Right, yeah. Well, it's it's not that um, it's not that this is a bad version. I actually really love the production on this. I, I love the, that spacey start that's on there, and then there's this big, beautiful, bright guitars. But Steve Lillywhite did a remix of this in 2017. Yeah, We talked about it. We did a whole bloody episode about it. Was it was fantastic. It yeah. was very good. It solved some of the original quote-unquote problems with that song. Problems of which I was not aware um, until I started reading into it and saying how they had a problem with, like, they thought that the trumpets and the brass sounded uh, out of tune on the original one. And so then they did this and then they did that and they were never very happy with the way it looked. And that was why it was shelved as a single, uh, you know, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. But this isn't a long lost song anymore so in a different world where you two hadn't gone back to the joshua tree where they hadn't got steve lillywhite to do a whole remix of this which sounds fantastic then yeah this would be oh my god i can't believe it's that song it's the one that you know they they didn't play live for so long and how fascinating and that would be a reason to put it on there's no need to remix a song or redo a song you did six years ago perfectly well so no so why is this on here no, well, I get that. I, I do get that, but it's... And it sounds good. I got genuinely excited to listen to this song, um, and it felt like a full band experience for the first time in, uh, in an album and a half, a, a disc and a half, should we yeah. say. So, yeah, Bono seemed more confident, it, but he's doing this talk singing thing which I don't really like I want it I want his voice to be big all yeah. the time maybe his voice isn't there anymore which is yeah. which is fine but I'd, I'd just like to know like can I still expect those big performances and I think he can still turn them in yeah when he when he wants to um but it's a massive it was a massive song to begin with so then yeah I, and I, I I like the original I've never had an issue with the original I, I really like the original 
Yeah, I'm, I, we have a. You have more of a problem with brass than I do on records. It's just, it's just, it's. This is like me with Thai food, right? I don't dislike Thai food. It's just my least favorite out of all the available options. And people say, "Oh, do you want this, this, and this?" Like, I, I you know, I never turn my nose up, at, you know, a, a, a green curry. But it's just, it's. There's other things that I'd much rather have. So brass is there, and it's fine. Um, but the, the Steve Lee White brass is very nice. I, I love that version, and the video that came with that was was beautiful as well. Yeah, well, I think that the brass goes a little too far in this, and could be accused of starting to sound like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band towards <laughs> the end. Which I don't dislike. It puts yeah, a smile on my face. Yeah. Um, the, the older and older I get, that I like music that makes me laugh. It, you know, it seems to have a tongue-in-cheek element to it. Not like all-out jokes or yeah. or puns, but just, oh, they did that. That's that's interesting. It, it brings me joy. It's not necessarily enjoyment, but it's, yeah. it's joy that they... They strive for something original. And yeah, there's a few times when, and this will come up at some point on this, uh, where they've where they've done something that is mad, mm. and it's sort of like, I mean, I've been listening to this as I've been, you know, either cycling or like not cycling, like running around and stuff like that. And I had to stop a mid run the other day because I was sort of just overwhelmed and had to laugh at what they'd done as a surprise. So yeah, it this version doesn't have the nuances that I like. All those little bits that. Bono tends to put in the song at the end. You get used to a pattern of nuances in a song, and if they're not there, then you just miss them. Like there's a little bit where normally Bono goes ah, 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 like that. It's just like a little thing that isn't on this version. And when you're expecting it and you love it, you're like, oh, it's not there. Yeah, I wonder if there's um, parts to songs that audiences fill in that isn't actually there and they didn't hear. Mm. So like, Phantom so they could they, they, when they're performing it live, they could be like that little. Yeah. Before that, I might. That didn't which bit I was doing. Cause, yeah, yeah. Because I, I thought it was terrible. But I, I, I'm, I'm quite guilty of like I'll fill in like bump, bump, bump. You know, like just I don't know. I've got no song in my head to give you an example. <laughs> oh, bumpy bump. Bumpy bump. Yeah, I'll just yeah. Uh, you know like uh, my milkshake brings all the bumpy bump boys to the yard. Yeah. And they're like, it's better than yours, bumpy bump. Was there a point here initially? Um, I, I was wondering if there's little bits that the audience normally fills in. Yeah. And that they've they've been influenced by the audience. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say so. Or or just bits that have been improvised that then work their way back into re-recordings. Um, yeah, I'd say so. But they're not present on this version, so it's just it's just not necessary. So why why spend so much time reproducing a song that you've done? Recently? None of this is necessary. No. So we kind of had to get past that. But like, but there's some that you could, in a court of law, you could justify for different reasons. <laughs> Walk on Ukraine. Yes, my lud, that's fine because it's for this specific situation and it kind of been, it's been tarnished. So we've got a new political cause to fight for. Good. Um, other ones where it's like, well, this song wasn't finished originally. Fine. Yeah, we'll give that a pass. But this is not, it's not as bad as, um, as some of the other ones that we're going to talk about in terms of not being necessary. Mm. But yeah, if, look, if people, it brought joy by these versions and that's wonderful and more power to you uh, yeah yeah well apart from track one so far which was who's going to ride your wild horses it's been kind of um, unnecessary city yeah unnecessary city no, never mind. Um, okay so track five ordinary love three minutes 13 seconds right what do you think my criticism of this is going to be based on what i've said do you think it's unnecessary and that it didn't need to happen <laughs> exactly that's literally exactly what i've written down here um also hey do you want to feel old this song is a decade old it's solid it's such a solid song yeah it is a solid song but we we don't need this version Either of the, the versions that we've had before, either the soundtrack version or was there a William Orbit version or something that was really good? Maybe I'm getting my, my producers wrong here. There was a... Paul Oakenfold. Yeah, whatever version it was. Paul Field, or whatever his name is. Mike Oldfield. <laughs> Paul Penfold. Yeah. Um, little Paulie Penfold with his little round glasses. What, is him from, from Danger Mouse? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, it was, maybe it was Danger Mouse. Um, anyway. Another producer they've worked with. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, it's all connected. Um, yeah. Um, well, anyway, yeah. Unnecessary song. Um, it, it's it's beautifully done. Absolutely, hundred percent unnecessary. And also, the thing is that one of the other theses that Bonner was putting out here to justify this whole thing, right, 
or Edge was pointing out, as a way to sell it, is we, you know, we we need to strip back all the production and and show that we can write simple, elegant, beautiful songs, right? Is that, this what this is? Is this the Campfire album? No, it's not. That's the thing. It isn't that because if that were the case, what the hell is Desire in its funked up, <laughs> totally different version? What's bom, ba, dom, ba, dom. But the thing is, right, all of those songs, like all those songs that have got loads of production on them, they don't fulfill that narrative. So if the justification for Songs of Surrender is, hey, you two can write simple, beautiful songs, look at this, I'd be like, yeah, I already know that. They did that with Ordinary Love. It's basically a four-chord trick that's a really, really beautiful song. So... You don't need songs of surrender to reprove that point. If you know what I mean, there's there's no there's no need. I like this. Yeah, it's good, but I, it's unnecessary. I, I think stripped down suits this song, and I know that it wasn't. It was never the most. It is stripped down anyway. Build built up song ever. It doesn't lose too much uh, in this retelling. I think the stripped down nature of it highlights hope personal of a love song this can be it seems to work in, in its original version it works on a, a grander scale um the, the the soundtrack to the long walk to freedom mm-hmm. nelson mandela it's it's love on a greater scale it's it's man's love for man yeah oh what was that broke back mountain um uh, so anyway that's a, that's another but it's you know it's it's stripping it down to the personal, the personal love, and it doesn't. It, whether you are in love with a band or uh, another person or a chair or whatever <laughs> just it looks around the room, sort of person, <laughs> what, whatever it might be, yeah. it really this speaks to a more personal love. Fine, but they'd already done a stripped down version, sat on a sofa on a talk show. They'd already done a stripped down version at what was it the Oscars when they all turned up? All the Golden Globes or something like that. Whatever big pale extravagant nonsense it was at, they already did that. So like, it's it's frustrating because in an, in an old in a bizarro universe, and we'll, we'll maybe we'll get to this at some point. Maybe we'll get this. This might be pushing the concept too far, and frankly, we might have just tired ourselves out by that point. <laughs> but there are so many songs that I want them to go back to so many and say look this song deserves the spotlight do you feel loved like a song lemon right i'm not going to keep going on because i don't want to spoil any future episodes but imagine imagine if this had been released and you saw those tracks listed you'd be like wow or love comes tumbling yeah imagine that universe instead we've got another frigging version of ordinary love that's not necessary I yeah fine yeah I, I I completely agree with you but I like the song I like the song I like this version and I, I also think it's also a timely thing I think ordinary love is one of the most important things like in as a as a you know as, as banal of a concept as that is it's genuinely important in this day and age it is yeah but not around this it's not necessary anyway yeah yeah you can we just take a moment to appreciate how good of a a line. Your heart is on my sleeve. Did you leave it there with a magic marker? I think he's put it there. Put it there with a magic marker. But that's that's so wonderful. It's a it's it, an odd example of something being specific that usually Bonner would make very general. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's modern, but there's so much packed into that. Mm. Like, imagine trying to like scrub. Um, you know, if I had drawn something on your arm, imagine trying to scrub that off. How, yeah. how immovable that would seem. Is Magic Marker an actual trademark? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wonder if they got a cheeky backhander for that. Maybe it could be on every advert. It wouldn't work for Sharpie. Did you put it there? Oh, is is Magic Marker a brand then? I don't know. Maybe it's too generic. Did you put it there with the Sharpie? (laughs) Works, doesn't it? Not as much. I think you get the nice alliteration of Magic Marker in in that other one. Yeah. Okay, so track six, sometimes you can't make it on your own in at exactly five minutes. I love it when that happens. <laughs> um, I was just thinking if anyone was... I, I appreciate... I'm basically saying I'm aware of the irony of us going on saying stuff is unnecessary and then talking in this amount of detail and <laughs> having a lot of digressions and talking a lot of nonsense. So I, I'm aware of that irony, <laughs> I, just to be clear. 
All right, so there was a reason to do this one, Tyler. What are you looking up? I'm looking up if Magic Marker is oh, a... We'll put that one to bed before uh, before I, I go on one of my digressions. You Listeners at home, just sit there patiently. I don't know how this is taking so long either. Well, because a Magic Marker is obviously a thing. You well, can you can edit this out if you want, Johnny. <laughs> I think it's nice to give everyone a look behind magic, the curtain. Uh, magic Marker is a trademark of Bic Corporation. Bono's got a backhander from Bic. Yeah. That would make a good headline. Bic Bono backhander. Oh, that makes sense, because I, I saw Bono the other day, and there was someone shouting something at, at him, and um, it, it makes sense now. It must have been Bic head. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was walking down the street and had pens stuffed in every pocket that he's got. Um, very blue today. Anyway, uh, right, so <laughs> sometimes you can't make it on your own. Right, the first thing I've written is there was a reason to do this. So if you've been annoyed with me, listeners, then I'm going to be positive now. Right, number one. This, a bit like Walk On, is a candidate for an old friend song. It was a single, but it wasn't massively overplayed. It is easy to forget because you two have such an incredible wealth of massive hitters. This would be a number one hit for another artist and it would be you know the song they were remembered for. But mm. amid all of the other stuff, this one has been tucked away. Live, maybe that's because, well, they did it for a whole tour on Bomb, so fair enough. But I think it's a lot to do with how difficult and how, I mean, you're more of a vocal person than me, but there's a massive range of vocal pitches in this song, yeah. in the original. And speaking of originals, if you go back to the documentary that was released with that Bomb special edition thing, Edge talks through how, he, maybe he was just playing it on the piano to make a point, but he was talking about how this song went through lots of different versions, a kind of 50s sounding version, but originally it was on a piano and then they take, took it and put it onto a guitar. So this returning back to that primordial state works really well here. So I think this is this is beautiful and I think it's it's so well arranged. There's a mandolin, I think, at one point, you know, for the din 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 din. Um, the military drumming from I assume Larry works perfectly here. I I think this is a, a an absolute classic version of this song, and I would listen to this one, not over the original, but I would listen to it adjacent to or nearby. Yeah, this version seems to amplify the themes of the song. It's the opposite side of love to ordinary love. It's the uh, the, the grievances, the last goodbyes, mm. the things we tried to get right we didn't regret. It and and all those emotional feelings do come to the the fore and originally this would have this obviously had the rawness of his of his father passing away mm. uh the atomic bob um as as you know he, he was sort of the album was almost known but now this is nearly 20 years after there's time passed bono has reflected on grief and love and loss particularly in his book so I feel like it does have a different resonance. It does come from a different place. And both of those feelings are nice and valid. You imagine he's probably lost other people as well that this might apply to. Mm. So it's just, this was a definite <clears throat> reason to do this song. You know, there was a, there was a, a really good justification for it. And I, I love it. Yeah, um, I didn't know how many voices were actually on the chorus. I couldn't work it out. I think they might all be Bono. But there's... I think so. But it, it, it seemed to confuse me how many... Uh, at one point I thought there was a choir... Mm. involved um i don't know if you noticed that i i just was captivated with all the different things that bono does with the, with his voice um i think this is an easy one for people to underestimate or misremember because you you know the original you hear it it's got quite a quiet cozy guitar sound almost like fireside sound but by the end bono's taken on this operatic scale in his voice yeah it's it's a really impressive song it's a very hard song to sing yeah i love singing it just, we love listening to it when you do. No, it's it's just very. Um, it just works. It flows. It's very easy. Yep. Like if if um, you had a solo and you're basically just fo following a chord progression, mm -hmm. your fingers almost know exactly instinctively where they're going to go. Yep. And that's what it's like to sing this song. Mm. Um, it it's a masterpiece in in that regard. Um, I do like the harmonies, but. Um, I didn't know if Bono singing this solo could have more of an impact. It's him alone, just one voice, singing this this song, which is basically a, a prayer to something that might have already passed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it. I think I like the production on this. I think 
I, I, stuff like that mandolin, I think it's a mandolin, made me really smile. And I think that bit, the do 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 do, I think that that needs, I, I think that needs scale. I don't know if, if just Edge going like on the piano going ding 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 ding. I don't know if it would work as. as I, I don't know if we're at the same point, but at three ten, I think they start start to try something. Um, I, I, it doesn't really work for me, mm. but this is clearly an exercise in unpacking this song and seeing mm. w- what's hidden and what what yeah. else could have been about it. And I think it's it, this is a worthwhile experiment with this song. Yeah, yeah. It, th- there was a reason to do this. I'm this is how it. good the whole thing could have been. Yeah. Even if they just shortened it down to... I know I know we're doing the 40 edition here, okay? And you could say, well, there is a 16-track version. Like, yeah, okay, but... Is there actually a 16-track version? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's available in the in, in mauve, in <laughs> violet, in electric pink uh, vinyls uh, from all good record shops. Sounds like they've uh, released too many editions of this. this, this... Nah. No? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, well, track number seven, track 17, Invisible. Four minutes twenty-three. Now, I love Invisible, and I was annoyed that it wasn't included as a bonus Invisible track on Songs of Innocence, which is what I really wanted. I did get that version of the of Invisible though, uh, but I can't find it. What version? The Invisible version. What? All oh, right. <laughs> God. Um, it's hard to find, literally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so this feels like a big sing-along. And um, I paused this version to go and look at the Letterman version, which is a big sing-along with lots of people. Is it, it, it on top of Rockefeller Center? N- uh, no, just the version that's. Um, oh, with Will Smith? No, that's Ordinary Love. No, just the just the version that's on that documentary, just with and it goes from them all messing around together playing to them being in a pub all singing it and like. Oh, and, and oh, in the actual documentary. Yeah, and everyone's yeah. enjoying the crack and everything, um, and. Didn't see any of that going on. <laughs> so, I think this this feels like it's been really nicely arranged, and again, there is a reason to do this. Invisible is a song that it has a like uh, crap worky sharpness to the synthesizer, um, has a really good beat. It's big, and it's got wonderful synthesizer. So, okay, let's take that song, plonk it in a different folk context, and let's see if it works. Yes, it does. Let's and and. It works. Bonner says, "Let's try something in that version," and I think they mm. have actually tried something here. And it, look, is it my favourite version of Invisible? No, but it's a really nice version, and I think it it works as a sing along as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a good version. It's got the same energy. It's not that different. I think there's there's so little changed about it that it doesn't have. Well, yeah. What wouldn't? And and I'm not doing this deliberately but wouldn't you rather have heard a different version of Wild Honey <laughs> that's drastically different uh, I don't like Wild Honey as much as this song obviously because I have you know ears but um, <laughs> but look if you said look yeah let's take a, let's take a song that was overly sweet and saccharine in the original recording and let's let's turn it into a punk song, or like take Wild Honey and make it into an invisible synthesizer. Yeah, sign me up for that. Mm. But that would be an actual reimagining. Like yeah. I I just want people to be a bit more bold with stuff. Like you mentioned the Just East remix of Get On Your Boots before, right? And and I don't want to start a new controversy by bringing up Get On Your Boots, but that is a song twisted right inside out, totally changed, and it's and it's something else. That song is it's literally something else. And so I'd be up for that sort of thing. There's like, a bee in the bonnet about get on your boots, though, isn't there? You're obsessed with honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mind your own beeswax. <laughs> but like, but yeah, well, I think the problem is, do you remember when they first released Get on Your Boots, and it suddenly you can almost see it, see it happening in real time, that it dawning on the band that it wasn't Vertigo and it wasn't Elevation or Beautiful Day, and then they're stuck having to do a circuit of promotional things. Get, you know, with doing a song that they all realise isn't actually up to snuff. So there we go. Oh god, yeah. Shame. Shame. Um, also, um, also, just noticed like on this because I, I looked at that. Bono, how is Bono unable to buy a jacket with sleeves that fit him? Do you remember on the documentary? He does it deliberately. He, them... hmm? he does it deliberately. I know, but it looks stupid. 
and look, fashion is subjective, fine, but I don't, I, I don't. He's going for like a particular look, like where he's got like fingerless gloves and he's turned up. Mm. Like it's it's you, if you saw Bono just like strolling around like the, like the town centre, you know, with a little like uh, second hand. Like, he looks like the homeless drunk thing. in uh, Pinocchio. He's got a toe sticking out of the boot. <laughs> and that guy. Very very stereotypical Disney. When was the last time I watched Pinocchio? Book. I watched uh, Beauty and the Beast recently. Putin and the Beast. Putin and the Beast, yeah. <laughs> no, Beauty and the Beast, it right? And I don't remember watching that a lot as a kid, but I had such vivid memories of being terrified of it. Like I remembered of most beast. of the film, and I I can't have watched that. I must have been younger than five the last time I saw that film. Okay. Yeah. Weird how you know things make an impression. Well, we've, we've digressed enough. I think we've got to we've got to head to uh, Dirty Day Town. A bit early. We've not finished the uh, the CD. There are dirty. Da- Never oh, mind. Right. I, the, I was uh, trying feet. a little joke. Uh, just run by me first. Just yeah. Run down. Pass them over. Track before. eight. Dirty day. Three minutes fifty seven seconds. You two have this great trust in the fans, which I, <laughs> I, they do. They have this great trust. Dirty day is a bit of a B side. It's not something that your your average Joe mm-hmm. is gonna walk into HMV, look at the track list and go, "Oh, I know what that song is." It's not a guarantee that everybody knows yeah. what Dirty Day is. It's a deep cut. Yeah. So, I really like that this is on here. Like, it, it's like there are certain songs that you know are under the skin and don't quite leave them and they, they're they trying to get right and I feel that's true of, of Dirty Day yeah and and the testament to that will be how many remixes they did of it that, I mean like the Junk Day one is, is totally different to the original yeah and I always thought that it felt a bit weird that you have two songs Dirty Day and first, the first time so close to each other and they're both from a quite a quiet space you know I know eventually Dirty Day kicks off a bit but I love that version, you know the 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 junk one that's got all like the fizzing electronics in it, and it's like, and it really that's where the production is fantastic. And the problem here with the stripping it back is, Dirty Day musically, in my humble opinion, doesn't have a very good hook. Da 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 da, da 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 da. Like I'm not doing Beethoven by the way. Like like, but that sounds that to me is not it's not. It's not a very good thing to build a whole song mm. around. So then if you just do it on cello, you've got this beautiful, obviously amazingly competent classical player just going... Nah, 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 nah. I believe that was Adam. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, he can't play cello, surely. Well, maybe he can, but I doubt it. Well, if you had your way, it'd be the edge. Uh, well, I mean, maybe, I'm, maybe I should eat some humble pie on that because this is mainly the edge project, it seems, and, <laughs> and a lot of it is, I'd say, a bit misjudged. Um, so I don't, I, I, look, I don't like Dirty Day particularly. Like, it's not one of my absolute favourites. And again, I don't want to do spoilers, but if you think about all the songs they could have done off Zeropa, Lemon, Zeropa itself, The Wanderer, Daddy's Gonna Pay. Take a song like Daddy's Gonna Pay, strip that back. Mm. I'd love to hear Daddy's Gonna Pay for Your Crash Car on acoustic. That'd be wonderful because it's so different. Whereas, I don't know. Uh, I guess the only reason I think this works you know, on any level is when Bono's singing like you know the days uh, run away like horses over the hills. That means something different in two thousand and twenty-three than nineteen ninety-three, because <coughs> those horses are gone. Yeah, they're, they're gone. You know, all those days are gone. Mm-hmm. And they're dead. Yeah, they've been ground up into glue by now, turned into dog food. But um, yeah, so so that's a reason to do it because. What can you two bring as older men to this song? Yeah. Fair enough. Unfortunately, they brought a cello as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, I think Bono is acting this. There's more of a performance on this song. He's getting into. I wouldn't yeah. say it's a, a McFisto character, but it's a bit coquettish. Yeah, like you, you can you can tell he's not being nude Bono as we like to call as, him. As you insist on calling him. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I, listening back to it, I really wanted the beat to kick in a bit earlier. Um, I've, this isn't how I'd have done it. No, nothing wrong with the song, but 
make it a, a, not not hardcore EDM, but like just make it, just give it, you know, a, a bit, make it a bit bigger. Well, that's what they've done with like. I mean, do you not remember the Big Yam remix? Wait, is that? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Is that? I think actually, you're right, actually. And that, that might be with Gobblestone and Angels, but there's different remixes. Is the point? Is the point? Yeah. And I think when they go harder with this song, it's way better. The thing with the people that do these these remixes, like Big Yam, there's never a second single. <laughs> no, I guess I guess not. No. <laughs> yeah. What's Big Yam been up to recently? Um, yeah, I. I yeah, I, I, I don't have much to say on on, on it. Um, and I, I guess is Dirty it, Day going to be your Dirty Day? No spoilers, but is it a contender? No, it was a contender. Um, I think I voted for Dirty Day on when we did the original Zoom. I think you did, yeah. Uh, all those all those years back. Um, I, I guess this I came screaming back to me. I like when you said like that you you were happy that you saw it on here. I initially was like, oh good, they've got something off Zeropa, but then it just makes me more annoyed. Cause I'm like, why not? Why not take Zeropa? Why not do a, a, a Zeropa? is a song made of production. It's literally stitched together in the middle by Brian Eno, and it's fantastic. So prove yeah. to me that that is a song that can work on an acoustic. That's an interesting idea. I yeah. Think. The, the abs- Who's the producer on this? Who's listed as a producer? Oh, I bet there's about 15. Right. I think the edge will be up there. Can um, you fill? Uh, fill. So, um... <laughs> how many producers have we got? Uh, one. The edge. The edge, yeah. Well, it's so a, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a lockdown cool. project. If 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 Brian Eno or Steve Lillywhite haven't popped their head in, I, just yeah. to see how they're doing. I bet Edge went like absolutely down into the bunker with production like during lockdown. I think like and obviously no one enjoyed a lot of the aspects of isolation and stuff in 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 lockdown. But I just feel like yeah, this this was a major project that mm. that you know Morley could should have come in and said. Um, just give it a bit of a rest for a couple of days, uh, Dave. Can we, you know, play, play snooker? You know, do something different. Uh, no, no, I'm on. I'm up to track thirty-two. <laughs> oh, really? That's that's necessary. I'm sure everything is actually okay in the Evans's home. Bet it's not their trouble. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, so here we go with track nine, the penultimate track for this disc, "The Miracle of Joy Ramone" at three minutes twenty-nine. Oh no! What have they done? Right, good. I'm glad you agree with me on this. <laughs> this was the one that made me genuinely made me stop in my tracks, and I had to like laugh and then cringe and then just reevaluate some life choices that I've made about what I dedicate my time to. In the ten years since Songs of Innocence, yeah, I've never got sick of the miracle of Jory Moon. I've never disliked it I've always I've always started singing along whenever I've heard it I love the live version Bono walking through the crowd it's incredible mm-hmm. it's incredible I always and I, and I wouldn't if you'd have offered like different versions alternative versions to this song I would have gone yeah you know I want to see what else they can do with that mm. but never never and I think this is true mm. of everybody that's ever heard this song no one Mm. Has ever said, hmm, wouldn't mind hearing a reggae version of The Miracle of Joy Ramone mm. and. With changed lyrics. Oh. Oh, God. I, this is one of the songs that I really, really wanted to like. I was excited that it was on there. Yep. Um, it sounds like Athlete. And if you don't know who Athlete are, they're a band and they're, they're, they've got some good songs. Yeah, they do. Taurus is pretty good. Um,. Yeah, Tyler, you're so cynical. Uh, what is it then? Uh, you're so cynical. I just need a miracle. What, what are the? It's such a bad chorus. It's so bad. It's like the, I didn't actually mind the kind of the laid back lounge version at the start because it starts off relatively normal. You think, oh yes, it's a, a version. But the idea of changing a chorus which works perfectly well to this is crazy it, it sounds like almost kids tv showish um and it, it's really bad i think tyler is is googling the the lyrics i mean it's not easy to google the new the the new lyrics at all because like you've got to put in the miracle of joy remote for a start then, then songs sur- of surrender version you, you've got to get to the one two three four five six seven eighth word before you make the difference okay we'll just read the chorus out what's the chorus i've still not got i've got the original lyrics in front of me 
which is irritating. Right, there we go. U2, thank you, U2Songs.com. You yes, U2Songs have been very on it. I was using this. You're to check. a great website, honestly. I absolutely love everything you do. I go on your website as often as I am in, you know, investigating a U2 something. You're so cynical. I need a miracle <laughs> to make some sense out of the world. Viva, viva, viva la Ramon. We will never be alone. The greatest voice I ever heard. Yeah, just you saying those words. Viva, viva, La Ramon. I, I think... Viva, viva, La Ramon. Never be alone. It's just, it's so spectacularly misjudged, that, that whole chorus. Um, <laughs> It's really bad, that one. I, I would... Yeah. I, you two don't have a tremendous reputation amongst Ramon's fans, do they? I'm not a, a big. I'm not into the Ramones community. I love the Ramones, but I don't, or, or rather Ramones, but I don't um, know much about them. But I imagine they probably split people down the middle a little bit about them uh, because some people will be aware of the connection they had personally and the importance of the Ramones in U2's fandom. But 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 the Ramones are a hard rocking band, and U2 are a less hard rocking band. I would say, you yeah. know. So they might. I don't think they would like this. Bono at one point says when he in the second chorus when he's saying love and hate which is the original song is so crisp and so on point and so well done this like lounge version they've done here Bono's singing and his diction is so loose that when he says love and hate <laughs> he sounds like he's saying lemonade like he's like lemonade it's really weird like the, the, the way he's, his idea of to make this more relaxed and cool is to just not pronounce things correctly, in my mm. opinion. So, <sighs> can I just say I feel like we've been weirdly more negative about this than any other track so far. Um, this is as bad as it gets. And I just want to say, I love you two at this point. I, I really, <laughs> really do love you two, and I love that we can hear these versions. But I, uh, it's this is a tricky listen for me. Yeah. Um, and. I will be surprised if people jump to defend this, and I hope you do. If you really don't, don't be mean. Don't call us names. We don't deserve that. We're just we're just being honest. Yeah. But like, but I would be interested to hear your defence of this version. Great song. Normally, this version tests me. Well, someone someone um, made a very similar point to well, just made this point the other day. But I think it's it's opposite here. Uh, game critic called Yahtzee does zero punctuation. And he was getting flack for calling out games that he thought were bad. And he says, look, I'm like the critic from Ratatouille. You seen Ratatouille? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm like the critic from Ratatouille. I don't like food. I love food. And if I don't love it, I don't even swallow. Okay. So the whole point here then is we love you too. Yeah. So when they do a version like this, which you could charitably call a mess, then... I think that's the the difference there, like, and I think people will recognise that that fact. You know? I hope they had fun doing this. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, and and I'm sure they did. I'm it, sure. It kept like, Edge from going nuts during lockdown. Do eighty songs. He probably did. Like I, even though so far this album hasn't been everything I perhaps hoped it would be, I love that it's given me the chance to sit in a room with my mate and talk about something I love doing. And all our friends around the world. <laughs> yeah. But I love that it's given me that. So if they've got the enjoyment from creating this, mm. like they've given me this enjoyment to sit here with you and talk about it, yeah, then it's worth it. Yeah, of course it is. But it isn't to my taste. I just rue the day that Bono and Edge sat down and went, do you know what? You're so cynical, you know. And I'm like, oh, God. I don't, I don't think it's the worst offender, but it's... Um, I can't think of anything <laughs> it's worse at the moment. It's well, let's go back to something nice then. So the final track, track 10 or track 20, however you want to square it. City of Blinding Lights, 4 minutes 55 of elegance, beauty, and a lovely rem reminder, a bit like, as I said, with Walk On, not a song that you hear all the time, bit of an old friend song, like, oh, this is back again. And I, I think Bonner's voice has retained a massive amount of quality for this version. So I was I, I wasn't surprised to see this on here, but I did think it was a, a beautiful and, it, and it's so well arranged. Um, mm. I, I would I would definitely listen to this this version again and again. I, I was saying earlier that they have a bee in the bonnet about certain songs, mm. and I think City of Blinding Lights is one of those songs. There always seems to be a hive of activity mm. around 
City of Blinding Lights. They won't leave it alone. They they play it. At, I think, think they play it too often live. Well, yeah, they played it obviously as the opener for um, a lot of the Bond tour, um, and it's spectacular in that in that opening bit of the DVD. Um, I think it's an example of them liking a song more than the audience generally likes yeah, it. Maybe I don't know. Um, not not that it's a bad song, but yeah, they played a lot on it. They played it on the Innocence tour because I remember with all the crosses and stuff that, that came down. They definitely played it then. Yeah, and I think I think got a lot of errands that. Um, Experience as well. Uh, but what if the lyric was um, what happened to the beauty I had on Saturday? <laughs> which, Because which, I misheard it and thought that he'd change that. In this version. Yeah, yeah, he'd, he'd change that. And in, in terms of a cityscape, a city on a Saturday night mm. is a lot different to how a city looks on a Monday morning when everyone's going to work. Yeah. So... I like the idea of singing to a, a cityscape what happened to the beauty you had on Saturday. Everyone threw up on it and put kebabs on it. No, but you know, the bright. I always think of New York when it comes to this song, but the bright lights, the the, the neon, the, the activity. It's a city it's that never sleeps, Tyler. But, but on Monday morning, when everyone's going to work, mm. it's a very different feeling. And I like that it's a, a, an environment that does have different feelings and it has a schedule a city has a schedule like on friday and saturday nights you're going to be all fun mm. and on monday morning you're you're going to be all serious and no one's going to no one's going to enjoy you and i like that idea so the mishearing made me think more about the song than the song they presented to us did so would you like Bono to have sung on Saturday? I think it's a really interesting lyric, yeah. <laughs> what, hap- what happened to the beauty I had on Saturday instead of side of me? Well, I think this is our last little scrap of credibility <laughs> gone down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday? Yeah. Fair enough. But look, if he took you on a little journey, then that's that's a, that's a nice thing to think about. Um, I, I Yeah, I, I think the piano in particular on the chorus is really good. Good arrangement, good voice good way to finish off the larry disc i think and makes me want to go back to the original as well and hear the stuff that was absent from this version like all the all the larry drumming that's on here that's very like streetsy um so i mean do we think this do we think larry disc is better than the edge disc i think seem like I, it i feel like we've complained a lot yeah i don't know if we're just getting into our stride though oh god by this four we're gonna be very angry um I don't know. I don't know what I think is the the better side so far. Yeah, let's let's think about that at the end of episode four. Yeah, um, we can do our sweetest things though in our dirty days. Dirty day for you, Johnny. The miracle. There's no other contender. And yes, I am so cynical. Yeah, it was really bad, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. It was really bad. Um, yeah. It, yeah, because it, it is terrible. So the miracle. Um, my sweetest thing for this uh, these ten tracks would be sometimes you can't make it on your own, on your own. A snap. Snap. Oh right, we yeah. went two for two. Yep. Fantastic. Right, so there you go. That was tracks eleven to twenty, the second disc of Songs of Surrender. We will be back with you next week with tracks twenty-one to thirty, which is disc three of After Songs 40, of Surrender. Who's who's 40. attributed to that? Is it? Adam. Uh, uh, the next one, it's Adam Clayton. Adam Clayton's tracks. Yep. Which apparently is just a marketing ploy, according to Bono. That's that's what they said. I mean, they might have been joking, but I can't imagine Adam is really vying for peace on earth and song for someone. It's just arbitrary. It's just we had forty. Oh, there's four members of the band. Forty into four goes ten each. You know that's it really. So they should. Have, I don't know. We'll, we'll do. We'll do a big roundup at the end. Um, one. One more time. We love you two as a band. We're not. And, and it's. I mean, it's, it's fun actually just to just to have a go at some of the, the aspects we don't like as much. But we do appreciate all the beauty that this track or album has inside of it to be corny, or at least all the beauty it had on Saturday. On Saturday. Yeah. Um. Thanks again to David Gibson for the lovely piano-y intro this week. Uh, we both really appreciate that. Thank you to everybody for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it or are enjoying this journey. Let us know what you think in the comments on Twitter, SoundCloud, wherever you can. 
even if you want to email us, you can email us at review to um, contact. Is it just review to contact? <laughs> How do we not know this after what feels like a billion years? If you're one of those rebel type guys and want to email us, then you need to contact us at review to contact at gmail.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Review 2, the YouTube podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler. <laughs>